The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, principal at Top Sale Strategies, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Ritan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up from Marketing Daily, thank you, Tom Forbes, for his article on Lyft. You probably know about Lyft. It's the other Uber, uh, I like to say, but but Lyft is uh, is sales are lifting, if I could say that, pretty cheesy, but it's true. And they're really focused on millennials. That's where it's really making a difference for them. Lyft co-founder and president John Zimmer uh, yesterday or just earlier this week told, told Reuters that uh, they are going to be reaching an annualized gross run rate of one billion with a. B, with a B. Uh, the New York Times reports that Lyft is seeking $500 million in additional financing as a valuation of $4 billion, up from $2.5 billion. That's huge, huge growth. Um, and they're saying that it's because, um, you know what, they're focused on Gen Z and those younger millennials. Uh, in fact, a lot of kids, when they turn 16, aren't learning how to drive and they don't want to learn how to drive. And uh, that 16 to 24 year old, um, fewer of them are actually getting their driver's licenses and yet they need to get around. And as Zimmer said, this is the new transportation consumer. Uh, They, he says, are telling Lyft that the days of traditional car ownership are over and it's a trend that will accelerate rapidly. Um, so very interesting that there's this trend in young riders not wanting their licenses and that public transit and things like Lyft and Uber are really driving it. And this is, of course, being focused in a lot of big cities like Manhattan. Uh, Lyft jumped into the New York City market about a year ago and it's tripled its market share in just the last four months. Um, so, you know, I think you could definitely see this happening in those large cities, maybe not so much in rural areas, uh, but they are taking a look at cities like San Fran, LA, Washington, DC, and Austin, um, and seeing what's happening there as well. So lots of, um, good information and we want to keep our eyes out to that trend. Uh, but I think that's huge. You know, I think so many people thought that Uber had a lock on this marketplace, but Lyft is showing that there's more than enough room, uh, for brands in this very, very much changing marketplace. Our purse profile today is the Prada Professional. She's a woman committed to her career, trying to achieve some balance in her life after spending so much energy on the job. She's around 36 years old, a college grad, 74% are married, employed full-time, 60% are parents, making more than $150,000 a year in their their household, Uh, really focused on... um, having good relationships, whether it be with friends or with family. 
Uh, she's a very confident person, uh, confident in her style, sticking to her favorite clothing brands. She'll shop favorite stores for the brands that she likes, and price really isn't as big of a motivator to her as perhaps some other women. She really goes after quality things and likes to feel like she's making practical purchases. Uh, she'll even shop around uh, when shopping for expensive items. Spends a ton of time at work, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, it's focused on getting to the top of her career, but at the same time wants to spend some quality time home with family and pursuing hobbies like the arts and travel. Uh, home is a reflection of who she is, so she spends an enormous amount of time uh, and money uh, on home products. So where is she shopping? Uh, she's shopping at Neiman Marcus and Nordstrom, Crate and Barrel and Target. She's driving a BMW and an Audi. And when it comes to designers, Armani and Calvin Klein are tops with her as well. So if you're a marketer, how do you connect with our product professional? Well, she's reading a lot of magazines and viewing cable and TV for entertainment while getting her information online. Those magazines include Real Simple and Style Shape, Vanity Fair. Uh, she's uh, on cable watching E! Food Network, TLC, TBS. Um, and when it comes to network television... Well, she's kind of all over the place, not doing a lot of network TV, really focused more on cable. My guest today is Nancy Dahl. She's joined the Tastefully Simple team in the last five months as the company's first named president and COO, working very closely with founder and CEO, as well as their vision team to develop and execute the company's strategic growth plan. Tastefully Simple provides really fabulous food products throughout the country, a lot of it making uh, entertaining simple for homeowners all over the country. Uh, Nancy has had a storied career in business for the last 30 years. She's covered four different industries ranging from $20 million to $750 million, most recently as president and COO of Life Touch National School Studios. She's an authentic leader who loves using her experiences to help others optimize their impact. And that's exactly why she's written a new leadership book in its final stages to be published at the end of the year. It's on leadership, her take on leadership, which I think you'll find fascinating. So I'm very, very excited to have Nancy Dahl on the show today. Stick around. We're going to introduce Nancy and hear about her leadership book when Purse Strings returns after the break. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Is buying something that is made in the USA important to you? How do you know that it really is made in the USA? Certified Inc. is the only supply chain audit company on the planet which qualifies country of origin labeling. If it's important to you as a consumer to know where the products you buy and use in your own home come from, then it's also important for your customers. Visit us at madeinusa.net and find out more. Go to madeinusa.net because it's that important. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. 
Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Rutan. Welcome back to Purse Strings. My guest today is Nancy Dahl. Um, she's president and COO of Tastefully Simple, uh, which is a fantastic company that has all kinds of wonderful food products that you can order um, through their distribution services of, of uh, sales leaders. Uh, she works with the CEO and vision team to develop and execute the company's strategic growth plan. Uh, Nancy has a very prolific uh, leadership uh, and business uh, background. Her career span 30 years and covers four different industries, ranging from 20 million to 750 million, most recently as president and COO of LifeTouch National School Studios. And But that's not why Nancy's on today. She is on today to talk about a book that she's in the final stages of um, really getting it ready to push out for the rest of us to be able to read and, and learn from. It's a leadership book that really... Uh, I think summarizes all the great learnings um, that Nancy has gathered over her 30-plus fantastic career. So I'm thrilled to have Nancy on today to talk about that. Nancy, welcome. Thank you, Maria. I'm excited to be here. Well, first, congratulations on your first five months as president and COO of Tastefully Simple. I know it's probably still feeling a bit new to you, maybe not, but for those listening who may not know about this fabulous food products company, do give us a little bit of insight on on what it's all about because it is really fantastic. Thanks, Maria. Yes, I'm really excited to be part of this Tastefully uh, Simple team. Uh, you know, if I had to give you a 30-second commercial, I guess I would tell you that we're dedicated to solving, you know, the age-old dilemma, what's for dinner? You know, you're asking, nobody gives you an answer. And uh, and so we're really dedicated to that, um, really saving you money because our servings are $3 or less, which is really an awesome thing in today's um, budgeting of our money. We give our time back because it's easy to do, um, give you more control over what you eat, take away the stress and chaos in your life around that dinner time, and most importantly, bring your family and friends back to the table so that you can focus on building relationships. And so it's really exciting to be part of this team as we embark on um, bringing innovation to the marketplace. Yes, and great products. I love your your dip um, in all of your bread mixes and all that great stuff. And it's a really great time to be utilizing Tastefully Simple as well. If I should say so myself, around the the busy holiday entertaining time. Uh, But beyond Tastefully Simple, you have had success running other companies, as I mentioned in the intro, such as Life Touch National School Studies and Portrait Studios and IQ Strategic Partners, among others. And I know you're incredibly active on multiple boards um, for a variety of for-profit and non-profit, including the Greater Twin Cities United Way, which is just really a, a, such a vital organization. And uh, with that 
board membership. I know you've provided leadership in quite a, a different way as well. Are these experiences that have formed your upcoming leadership book? I would have to imagine the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, in fact, it is. You know, the book is really a collection of my life experience as a leader of just my own life and, frankly, the organization's. Um, really to engage the other uh, reader in the same conversations. And, you know, as leaders, we think we're often alone and we're really not. So that's really what the book's designed to do. So talk to me about why you chose to write this book now, because I know, um, I mean, you could have written it while you were at Life Touch. You know, there's there's lots of, of places and stages in your life. I think you probably could have come forward with this book. But what was it about this timing that felt right to you? You know, in, in the short answer, I would tell you, I just felt ready to write the book. You know, the idea started about five years ago, um, and I started be collecting my thoughts on, you know, as you've had conversations with friends, you'd collect them on napkins, you'd put them in a, in a folder, collecting articles that were pertinent. And um, besides feeling ready, I also had some friends that were pretty, um, I, want, I would call them obnoxious about telling me I should <laughs> write the book and really commit it to it so that others could share it. And so I think the topic... Um, I felt ready, and I also think the topic and the angle I'm taking around this conversation of leadership is ready right now. I think the world needs to have a different viewpoint on leadership, and um, I'm hoping that's really what the book will do. Well, and I have had a chance to read a little bit of that book uh, in beta stage, and uh, it's really really compelling, Nancy. And there's so many things that we could talk about today. And, and what we're going to talk about just barely <laughs> covers the surface of, of the book. You you do focus on being, though, intentional. You talk about that quite a bit. Share what this means exactly to you and how we can truly be intentional in our lives. You know, intentional to me means doing things on purpose. You know, you take the same facts everybody else has, but you have a different experience because you did it on purpose. And so it's, you know, oftentimes I think it's about being directionally accurate for where you're going and knowing that the journey isn't exactly a nonstop uh, flight, that there's going to be lots of back and forth. Um, But having that sense of direction, the sense of where you're going so that you can make intentional choices and not just you know, go with the flow every time. Uh, I think you end up in a different place in your life if you have that sort of attitude. Um, and so that's really what intentional is about. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, being intentional, you kind of need to also understand who you are. You talk about, um, you know, you need to have a solid understanding of who you are as a person. Are there, are there some assumptions baked into the book um, about where this, where you're going to meet that person, that reader? Is it applicable to anyone at any point in their career? Or do you feel like this is more of a book that you need to either read early in your career at midpoint or more maturity in your career? Yeah, I wrote the book. I've been asked that question a lot. And I would tell you that it's an attitude-bound book, not an age-bound book. Um, The prerequisite is that you come at the book with your own sense of curiosity about yourself. You're motivated to discover what your best looks like. You have the courage to practice. Um, You have the willingness to set goals that will, you know, stretch your potential. And so I would say that, yes, the prerequisite is leadership is about first mastering yourself because it's a prerequisite, in my opinion, uh, to leadership. Without it, you have nothing to give others. But the book really meets the leader where they are because most people don't spend the amount of time to really learn mastery of themselves. And so I try to meet the, the reader wherever they are. So 
uh, whatever stage of life that they're in. I've had conversations with people that were going into retirement. I've had people that are in their late 20s and have the conversation. If you said you pay, you have to pick a, pri- uh, a an age range, I would tell you it's a, it's those high potential people that are coming <clears throat> in the midpoint of their career, probably 28 to probably 50 um, mm-hmm. would be a space. But the subject of the book is pertinent regardless of where you are, as long as the prerequisites of being curious, being motivated to discover your best, uh, being willing to practice, and being willing to set goals at all stages of your life. I, there's pieces of the book that um, apply to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk, it's just a leadership book, and I think people have different definitions of what leadership is. What's your definition of leadership? You know, that's an interesting question, Maria. I think leadership (laughs) for me is about demonstrated in your impact on others. You know, it's really about acting to inspire others to find relevance and high performance today towards some future goal. It's not about you as a leader. It's about the effect you have on others. So for me, it's about one and one is three because we all can make our, our world, our organizations a better place, but none of us can do it alone. And the leader's job is really to bring people together on a common mission and inspire them to go there together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we tend to think of leaders, well, some people might think of leaders as these stalwarts, very confident, impermeable type of people, you know, they're supposed to create a catalyst for the organization. But you talk a lot about being vulnerable and, um, and spotlighting your weaknesses and asking people to weigh in on them, being really inclusive in figuring out uh, maybe what your strengths are, where there's opportunity for growth. But, but you know, for some people that really might fly in the face of what they deem as leadership. And, and especially in today's competitive environment, I would imagine that many people are hesitant to do this. So talk a little bit about that um, approach on being vulnerable and asking people to weigh in and and what would you tell people who might be skeptical about this approach? Yeah, thanks for that question. You know, feedback is something that we aren't taught. Um, And so it's something we have to learn uh, how to get feedback. I think it's the critical, one of the critical, most important ingredients for you to uh, be able to um, reach higher goals is getting that feedback. So the book really talks about learning to be your own advocate for what you need um, and and learning how to look for that, learning how to get feedback on that and not just letting anybody, because there's a lot of people that give you feedback, I'll call them hacks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's easy to sit on the sideline and point out all the things you're doing wrong, but you really need to get the the feedback that's essential for you are, and you need to understand what that is um, for for, uh, what you need, what kind of feedback you need to really move forward. And so I think that, Yes, the book talks about exposing your open issues, but if you don't spend time here, it's really hard to um, get committed around a future vision. It's real easy to get sucked into the roadblocks that you've fit, and that to me is a really critical element around this area of feedback because you get a bigger vision. um, It allows you to commit, uh, enact your passion and your courage to continue your journey, and so that feedback piece is a really critical piece. I, I've said, you know, we, we're with each other, we're with ourselves 24-7, but we're the hardest person to get to know because we only see it through our eyes. And seeing ourselves through other people's eyes, which is really what about feedback is, is learning how to optimize who you are. And so I think it's a really, really critical element and something we need to learn. And um, 
learn what kind of feedback is helpful for us and how we want to seek it so that we can also be intentional about that. Mm-hmm. You give so many great examples in your book from your own personal life um, and professional life about this very thing. I mean, you have examples throughout the book, but this particular thing I found really interesting. Do you mind sharing one of those examples of making your own self vulnerable? Sure. I think that, um, you know, everyone's vulnerable when you've taken some big risks as a leader. You know, it's particularly if you're running an organization, most of the news that comes through your um, your office is somebody wants to sell you something. So they only want to tell you the good stuff because um, you can weigh in on their careers, you know, if they give you the bad news. And so I think as a leader, it's really important to make it okay to walk in and, and deliver bad news. And, um, you know, I try to spend time in the field in every organization I've been in because that's really where the rubber meets the road. And so you have to create a tone there to get feedback on whether it's new announcements the company's making, whether it's how a session is going, um, and really make it safe for them to tell them, you know, that was really, it didn't work. And be inquisitive about what those questions are. And so once people know that that's really your sincere interest, Um, more people will show up with that kind of feedback. But it takes a while um, to build the trust and to be real because most leaders aren't that way. And there are, frankly, people's experience isn't that way. They don't get rewarded for bringing in the bad news. And Mm -hmm. so you need to engage them in a way that allows them to report the bad news, but also engage them in a a way to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so part of it is just asking the question. And the questions that are the most vulnerable aren't the most complicated. They're really simple. You know, mm-hmm. give me your feedback on how that went today. Mm-hmm. Give me your feedback on how that announcement went today. And following them up in a in a sort of a random way, you know, not a programmed way where they know that you're going to call at that time, but you just check in with them at various times. And going into the icky situations, walk right into the middle of it and ask for, um, ask to be part of that. You know, be, just put yourself in the middle of being part of that process, knowing that you won't have all the answers, but confident in your ability to figure stuff out together with your people. Mm-hmm. Well, and well, and it's the irony of it is, is why you're being vulnerable. You're also being confident, right? That right. whatever you hear is something that you're going to be able to take and do something with. And there's a certain confidence I think you have to have uh, with whatever you think you might hear and, and not take that to, um, don't let that tear apart this vision of who you are, because that's, Getting back to that earlier point of having an understanding of who you are and what your values are, kind of being that guiding point that even when you get this feedback, kind of funneling it through um, that lens, I think, would be highly valuable as well. Yeah, and I think it's important to seek to understand. Um, It's important. I've learned to look past how feedback comes to me and really listen to what they're trying to say Mm -hmm. Um, because People will, you know, you get everything from very angry to, you know, emotional to, you know, uh, what's the question behind the question. And so you have to be really observant and calm, if you will, and listening to what's going on or you're going to miss something. Sometimes the most important things to know are the things they're not telling you. Not that they're trying to deceive you, but they're just not obvious and you got to you got to ask that next question not be worried about what the answer is but worry about the next question so you fully understand the context and that i think is the fight for any leader is to make sure you have the full context before you rush to make a decision mm-hmm. um and and yeah that your people are part of that 
Mm-hmm. Nancy, we're going to take a quick break. And when we talk uh, again after that break, I want to talk a little bit about patterns and making connections with people, which is at the end of the day what leadership is all about. So everyone stick around. Nancy Dahl will be back in just a moment when Purse Strings returns. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. I've been speaking today with Nancy Dahl. She's the president and CEO of Tastefully Simple, but she's here today to talk about a new leadership book that'll be coming out here, boy, in the next probably month or so, I'm guessing. Nancy's going to tell us all about that, but we've been talking about leadership. Leadership is informed by Nancy's 30-plus years running companies of all sizes, everything from $20 million to $750 million. Uh, most recently as president and COO of Life Touch National school studios and it's a, a book as Nancy describes that can be picked up really by anyone but aimed maybe more for those 28 to 50 year olds um, and who are looking for some guidance on the midpoint of their career and we've talked about intentionality we've talked about um, making yourself vulnerable and asking for feedback we've talked about having a solid understanding of who you are um, and that's just scratching the surface of so many great um, concepts that's in Nancy's book 
And some of the way those concepts come to life, or you have a lot of visuals in your book, I think that really paint the picture of some theories and examples that you have to share. And in one illustration, it's how you can debrief. Uh, we won't go into a lot of details on that one, but I do recommend people pick up your book to check it out. And we're going to tell them how to do that in just a minute. Uh, but you also talk about listening, and you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier when we were chatting. Um, you talk about really listening. What does that was that mean? I think a lot of people think they're probably good listeners, but you might you might argue with them, I'm guessing. Yeah, I would. I think most people listen with the intent to, to uh, figure out how they're going to respond instead of really listening to what's being said and, and seeking to, to deeply understand what the questions uh, are. I think it's, um, it's really important that you take the time to to understand. And, and, you know, I think we also hear what people say based on our own natural bias. And so it shapes what kind of data we collect. And so I think as a leader, you have to understand where your bias is. You have to spend time to really understand then how that filters into what you hear and collect. And then ask those follow-up questions. I like to go two, three, four questions deep when you're really trying to understand things versus rushing to conclusions and and understanding. I think it's it allows you to get people uh, all on the same page versus only going to the surface and really not understanding the deeper, more complex and sometimes more more simple issues um, that just need a new perspective that you as leader can provide. Mm-hmm. And then you take that information, right? And do you need to show that you're acting on it, Nancy, as kind of an, a, a continuation of listening so people understand that, you really have heard them? Yeah, I like to follow up, you know, with uh, after we've explored an issue, just uh, let me let me make sure I understood what we talked about and just really go through the bullet points because it does a couple things. One is it validates for the person that you heard them. Two, it allows them to think about something else they didn't say to you. And three, inevitably it takes the emotion out of the, the conversation and really gets people focused on a collective answer and what the next steps are. I've oftentimes, if you don't take the time to do that, um, the emotion is still so high, they can't get to the next step. And so, um, it, you know, it just dumps a monkey on your table instead of being able to really understand what the issues are so that collectively everybody can move forward. So I think it's really important to, to play it back and then also say, okay, well, if we're going to move forward, what kinds of things would we do? So that you take them from understanding the issue, digging deep to understand, and then you push them forward to say, okay, well, now that we know that, what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And then they can participate in part of the solution, and it sets the stage for then where the follow-up is, what evidence would they use for progress that would then again uh, suggest that you really heard them and you took them seriously so that you can move it forward. You encourage uh, the readers of your book to look for patterns um, and that patterns exist, but we may not actually be seeing them. So how do you spot patterns and determine how to adapt to patterns that actually might be creating some barriers for you? Yeah, it's really one of the more fun exercises I mean, the, the, in the book that every time I have talked with someone and we've done this or I've suggested they do it, inevitably they come back and say, oh my gosh, I didn't see that. And it was here all along. That is always the conclusion that happens. And so, (laughs) you know, it's an easy exercise to start. You can have it over a cup of coffee in the quiet of a morning or, you know, a glass of wine at the end of the day 
and just think about, you know, chapters in your life. So I, in the book, I talk about, you know, practicing in your high school because everybody had highs and lows in their high school. And basically it's a line graph with time around the horizon and high and low, you know, on the vertical um, axes of your graph. And so you just, you, you pinpoint where your highs were and where your lows were and draw a line that connects those. And then really spend your time describing each. So why was this a high? Why was this a low? And then going one step further and saying, where did the transition point from the high turn to start to head to the low? And where in the low did it turn and start to head to the high? What were the signs you saw? What were the issues you saw? And if you really think about what was going on in your life, you can start to see, um, describe them in bullet points. And then when you step back and you take, you know, your high school chapter, maybe your college chapter, maybe your early career part of your, however many chapters you've got, um, you start to see that the patterns that started in high school start to show up in college. They'll show up in the early part of your career. You can also see where you've altered the course. And so for me and for others, they start to become street signs of where transition points are happening in your life. Not that we can prevent transitions, but we certainly can be more intentional in managing them. And that to me is the one of the most critical elements that when you go through the exercise, um, it really helps you shape how you think about things going forward. And the surprise is always that the patterns were in your life all along, but we sit and analyze all kinds of things, but we don't analyze ourselves on a timeline to be able to discover um, the descriptors of the highs and lows and the transition points, which is really the gem in just taking time uh, to do this exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, it was funny when I was, was reading that in your book um, and I did a little I did a a little bit of that. I thought, oh gosh, that sounds really interesting. And so I started that process and what I was finding is in the transitions were really, I was finding a pattern in the transitions. And um, I'm going to go back to it because I I just started that process, but I thought, huh, I think I see what Nancy's talking about here. And it is, we don't really take enough time to reflect. And I think in that reflection, um, you know, we will see things that maybe, you know, we had suspected or maybe we even thought about, but kind of put it to the side. And um, I think that was really wise advice. At least I could certainly see that coming to life a little bit for me as well. Um, well that's great. That's yeah. great, Maria. You know, the other thing that it, that it does, at least it did for me, and I don't know if it did for you, but some of those transition points can be pretty emotional. Yes. <laughs> and so when you get him in the trends, the emotion tends to go away, but the facts remain. Uh-huh. And so it, it allows you to desensitize yourself to the emotion and really take control of those transition points. And again, not the transitions are going to happen, but you can certainly manage them differently the next time they come because you're building experience. So it becomes more of a forward looking activity that builds skill and capability in your own leadership um, that I think alters the course of your life and the, and how you experience life from that day forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think some key learnings for sure coming out of that. And you're right, in those key transitional moments, it is a lot of emotion. So having some time and space between those and being able to go back and reflect without some of that emotion being there, really, really helpful. Um, 
moving to making connections with people, you know, that really is the basis of leadership. And you talk about being prepared um, and unprepared. Uh, and the words make it up left off the pages for me. I mean, you, you come right out and say make it up, which I thought I was like, oh, that's okay. You just put it out there. Talk a little bit about what you mean by make it up. Yeah, you know, it's a good, that's a great question, Maria. I think that, um, you know, school teaches us that it's about the answer, right? It's, it's, um, somebody's got the answer book, the teacher has the answer book. And so when we, when we move to life, we bring that image with us. And so particularly as you start your career and you move, you think, oh, someone has an answer. They just haven't told me. And so, you know, you kind of get stuck waiting for the answer. And, I think that there isn't an answer book in life, and uh, and so it's something that we have to learn. And and so in in learning myself to say, well, it's not there isn't an answer book. I just need to move this along. You know, you get to the place where you. I started asking my question. Well, I don't know that answer. So what would I think if I had to? So if I'm queen for a day or king for a day, what would my answer be? And complete the answer. And then continue to move the project forward. And what I found is that 85% of what I made up was dead on. And the other 15%, you're smart enough to be able to um, correct on the fly and move it forward. And, you know, it, it brought levity, certainly, with uh, in my team, you know, as we're trying to work our way through the issues. And so you come forward with working through solutions, and they'll say, well, that's kind of odd. And you admit, hey, I just made it up. And they laugh. Mm-hmm. But what <laughs> happens is it engages them to say, huh, okay, well, what would I do? And so, you know, as a leader, if we don't like the outcomes of what are happening, it's our job to decide how I would change it. And so giving your people permission to make it up gives them, uh, gives them ability to, to think differently about how they would solve a problem, sort of unconstrained. And it magically engages the group in moving forward versus feeling bad for where they're at. And so it, it became something I did to get myself unstuck. And as I have used it over the years, every, every time it comes forward, it moves the team forward. And that ultimately is what it's about when it says, when in doubt, make it up. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And I think that just makes you even more human to your team, doesn't it? I mean, when yeah. you, you can actually cop to that. I love that. Um, so we've reached the end of our time together, which is too bad because we could continue to talk and talk and talk. Um, but at the end of the day, as you've said in your book, and as you said to me, it's about the people. And so as you look at your career to date, which has been hugely successful, I'm sure there's many things that you could point to as being milestones. What are you most proud of, Nancy? That's a good question. I, I would have to say it's about inspiring others to do things they didn't think were possible in both their personal and professional lives, and then watch them pay it forward. I've always wanted to said if I could impact one person and they could say I'm better because I, uh, you know, I worked with Nancy, my life would be worthwhile. And so I really look for that in every organization and every encounter I have with people is to try to really get to know them so that I can push them and inspire them to be their best self. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic goal, and I'm sure you're doing it there at Tastefully Simple as well as you have every other place that you've been. And I know that you're in the final stages of this book. Can you share a little bit about when we might expect to be able to read it? Yes, Maria. Thank you for asking. We are. We um, are in the beta reading stage. I had a feedback uh, session last Monday. I have one more tonight, and our goal would be to launch it in the early part of 16. 
And so on my blog, nancymdahl.com, we're actually adding a page for book progress. So if people are interested, they can register there. And then uh, we hope to have the book for sale before the end of the year and in people's hands in the first part of next year. Awesome. Fantastic. And everyone do go to Nancy M. Dahl. That's D-A-H-L dot com to learn more about the book and when you can actually uh, order one and get it into your hands and uh, begin to read it because it's there's just so much information in there. I think it'll it's worth one read, two reads, and three reads, I think, probably to get all the great information uh, out of that book, Nancy. Congratulations, truly, on um, achieving this book and, um, and for all the information that you're going to be sharing with people out there who can really benefit from it great. Thanks, Maria. And thanks to Nancy. Thanks to my producer, George. And join me right here next week for another edition of Purse Strings, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program as well as our complete library of programs on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.